The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Okay, we're going to begin in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 34, which begins to describe uh, the building of tabernacles and what it's about. So let's read this scripture out loud together. The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. All right? So the first, so it's in the seventh month, all three of the feasts. It is, so the first day of the seventh month is the Feast of Trumpets. Ten days later is the Feast, well, not really the Feast, but the Day of Atonement. And then five days after that was Tabernacles, where they would live basically in these little lean-tos, little huts, little tents uh, for seven days. And it's seven days of rejoicing. It's a picture of the coming kingdom. Um, and they had to live in those huts for seven days. So I don't know if you knew this or not, but we have tents for all of you. We've invited all your family and friends. We're going to be staying out on Solomon's porch for the next seven days. All right, you ready? <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 14 and 15, and let's read this out loud. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow who are within your gates. Seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you surely rejoice." So it's seven days of rejoicing. Can I hear a hallelujah from all of you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. And we acknowledge that you are the king. Now, in the days of the temple, it was viewed with great and tremendous awe each and every year because, if you're taking notes tonight, you might want to note this, it was during the Feast of Tabernacles that Solomon dedicated the newly built temple to the Lord. And he dedicated that temple to the Lord, and the glory of God came and lit the altar and brought a divine heavenly fire. No human being lit the fire. No priest lit the fire. The fire was literally lit by the fire that fell from heaven in the Shekinah glory. Isn't that amazing? So now, what I want to go with you is all of these things go back to the first feasts of the Lord, which were actually with the children of Israel in the wilderness with Moses, starting with the original Passover and each one of the feasts as they make their way. And literally it was the day of atonement was the day that Moses came down, the first day of atonement, when the nation of Israel had sinned, um, you know, around the golden calf and all the craziness and immorality. And, and then Moses comes down with it. He's been up on the mountain communing with God, praying with God, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. He comes down and sees all the people living in sin. So what did he do with the Ten Commandments? He throws them down and they break in pieces. So Moses has to go back up and he says, I will hopefully, prayerfully be able to make atonement for you. And the good news is God forgave the nation of their sins. Even as sinful as they were, as rebellious as they were, after 
God had, had, you know, set them free with a powerful, victorious, mighty hand in the ten plagues, and then they rebelled. But the heart of God is gracious compassion. As we saw this morning that as Jesus had compassion on a sinful Jewish generation, so God has compassion on us. I want you to know tonight that as our Father looks down on the United States of America for all of our sins and failures and weaknesses and flaws and problems, God has compassion upon our country, America. Can I hear an amen on that? He is compassionate, and He is compassionate towards you and I. So that first day of atonement when Moses went on the the mountain and he wanted to see God's glory, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. God shined His glory upon him, and Moses came down, his face shining with the glory of God. That was the first day of atonement, Moses' shining face. And therefore, that became the picture of literally our Savior, our Redeemer, who has washed away our sins. He will come with His face shining seven times the brightness of the sun. So the day of atonement is that picture of the second coming. But then after that, when Moses came down with a shining face, then he said, now I want you to gather the materials because we're going to build a tabernacle for the Lord. That was the first tabernacles. But when Moses went up on the mountain, he wanted to see God's glory. So this is not in your notes. You're going to have to just turn with me to Exodus chapter 33, beginning in verse 17. Exodus chapter 33 And beginning in verse 17, we read this. So the Lord said to Moses, I also, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And in verse 18, oh, this is my prayer, and this has been my prayer recently, and I I hope that it becomes your prayer along with me. And he said, please show me your glory. How many of you want to see the glory of the Lord? And put it into your prayers for the rest of this year. Oh, Lord, reveal your glory. Show your glory. Bring your glory. Lord, bring the light of your presence and glory upon us. In verse 19, then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of Yahweh, the Lord, before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. (laughs) That's that's kind of frightening. That no man can, if if you saw God's face, you would croak. You would die. We couldn't handle it. Uh, So nobody can see my face, the Lord said. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. Who do you think the rock is? A picture of Jesus Christ. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And then I will take away my hand, and you will see my back 
but my face you shall not see, and it shall not be seen. So Moses says, God, show me your glory. Moses says, Moses, I'd love to show you my glory, but you would die. You can't handle it. No human being can handle it. But the only begotten Son, who is from the bosom of the Father, he has declared him and made him known. So Jesus and the Father and that relationship of intimacy, Jesus in him and through him, we see the reflection of the love and the glory of God. But so God tells Moses, you can't see me. So I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock. Now, how many of you were here this morning? So one of the services or this weekend. Okay. So you remember we, we talked about the first part about Jesus' prayer life and going to the secret place, right? Um, and that the secret place is that place that is hidden. Well, I believe that here is a great uh, tie-in. God says, I'm going to put you in a cleft. It's like this big rock, you can imagine, on the top of a mountain, and it's a little crevice. It's a little hidden place, a hiding place. And so Moses is standing in the, in the cleft this little crevice of the rock, and then God says, and then I'm going to come by with all my power and with all my glory, and I'm going to proclaim my name, Yahweh. I am gracious. How many are glad to know the name of God and the character of God is gracious? And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And how many of you are okay with he's chosen all of you and I to have compassion upon And God is saying, and there's nobody that can do anything about it. I have chosen to be compassionate upon all mankind and upon those who seek me, and I am a diligent, I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. So he puts Moses in the hiding place, the cleft of the rock, the secret place. And then God says, I'm gonna gonna put my hand over you. My hand will be there to protect you so that you don't die. And then I'm going to pass by in all of my power and all of my revelation and all of my glory and all of my graciousness. And then once I have passed by, basically God says, I'm going to crack my fingers just a smidge and let a little bit of my afterglow come upon you. And, you know, Moses gets lit up. As you remember Charlton Heston in the movie, remember when he all of a sudden changes and his hair is standing up on end like that? <laughs> Only that happened literally to a real man named Moses and his face. I mean, imagine this. You see a man's face glowing and he's glowing with the afterglow of the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God. So I, I love this scripture because you and I, you know, we live in a in a very difficult uh, place and a difficult time, and I believe that God is calling His bride and He's calling His church in, in these troubling times, challenging times, and difficult times, He's calling us into the secret place. He's wanting us to go into the hiding place. And, and you know, think of Jesus. Jesus is the rock. And then what happened to Him there upon the cross, the rock? There was a a cleft in his side, literally, that was opened up. And what comes rushing out? Blood and water and forgiveness and healing and the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God came right out of the side, the cleft of Jesus Christ. And it is from his side that, remember with Adam and Eve, Adam 
God takes from his side and creates woman. So from the side of Jesus Christ and the cleft of the side of Jesus Christ, the bride or the church is made and formed and created and brought into being. Is that beautiful and wonderful and precious? What God has done to us and what God has done for us, he's hiding us and let us then develop that secret place. Now, I want to go on. I just make a couple of more points before we have some special time uh, to pray. But praying for rain, this was also the season at the Feast of Tabernacles when they would pray for rain, and it was also because they were dependent upon the rain for the next uh, season of crops for their food, and it was also the time to pray for the Holy Spirit. The Feast of Tabernacles takes place during Israel's change of seasons, uh, which is interesting. Tonight is the beginning, and fall for us basically started yesterday, right? And it marks the beginning of the winter rainy season. Now, you might find this surprising, I know I did, that Israel receives as much precipitation every year as London, England, approximately 20 inches a year. The major difference between London, England, and Israel is that in Israel, their rain occurs between November and March. But if for any reason there is a change in the weather patterns uh, and, and, you know, the the winds and and taking the clouds and rain elsewhere, um, they can miss some of that rain and it can have dire consequences. They're totally dependent on getting all of their annual rain. And God said, I'm going to make it so that you have to look up and you have to pray for the rain to come, because they basically have a water shortage in Israel. Uh, the rain that they need, they, they need to literally look up and trust in God and cry out and call on God in the Feast of Tabernacles for rain to come. So, It's interesting that, you know, they had the religious reasons why they were tabernacling with God. They're rejoicing in the deliverance of what God has done. They're remembering the 40 years in the wilderness God provided for our forefathers and mothers. But it also was built with tremendously high anticipation for rain. And they they not only prayed for rain, but they also prayed for the coming of the Holy Spirit to bring a rain upon the dry and thirsty souls so that not only their generation, but their children and their children's children, the next generation, would be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Is anybody here uh, passionate about the next generation and the rain falling upon them? Yes. So then they listened as the Levites would sing the Hallel Psalms. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but there's a collection of a few of the Psalms that are called the Hallel Psalms. And Hallel, of course, is the root word of hallelujah, to praise. And the Hallel Psalms that are sung during the Feast of Tabernacles are Psalms 113 through 118. So if you're looking for something special for your devotions this coming week, I would recommend the Hallel Psalms, 113 through 118. And many of those particular psalms have tremendous, beautiful messianic uh, messages and prophecies within them. 
And at the proper time, the entire congregation would begin waving palm branches, because a palm branch was kind of like waving the Israeli flag, essentially, toward the altar. And then they join in singing Psalm 118.25. Let's read that out loud. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. So they're praying for rain. They're praying for God's blessing. Uh, And Psalm 118, verse 25, was also praying for the coming of the Messiah. Psalm 118, in particular, was viewed as a messianic psalm. So that's another part of what's going on. So we've got the sukkahs, the the huts. uh, They're looking up to the stars. We have their praying for the coming of the rain. And Mitch Glazer, who was here with us last Wednesday night, uh, did a beautiful Bible study about this water ceremony that they had where they would go down to the pool of Siloam and they would draw these pitchers of water and they would walk back up to Jerusalem and they would pour them out. And the reason they did that was to say, God, you brought us into the land and it's a land flowing with milk and honey and you brought us water and we, can e- we have so much water we can even pour it out, but now we need the new rains to bring the new water. And it was during that time that Jesus cried out to the people and said, come unto me and drink. For out of those who come to me to drink will come rivers of living water. And this he spake of the Holy Spirit that was to come. So Jesus was making a messianic fulfillment. He goes, the nation's praying for rain, which is symbolic of the Spirit. Are you thirsty? I am he. Come unto me and drink. For who will come to me and drink out of his innermost being shall gush forth the rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit. So Mitch Glazer did a a powerful, beautiful uh, testimony and teaching on that. That's from the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. But there's another element to the Feast of Tabernacles, and that is the lighting ceremony. Uh, Let me see. Hang on. Okay, we don't have that one. But anyway, in your notes it says, why Jesus declared, I am the light of the world at tabernacles. Um, They had priests that would uh, come out, and there were in the temple area these four uh, tall candelabra-like deals that had torches on top of them. The light could be seen all around from the mountains surrounding the city of Jerusalem, And the priests would come, they called it the lighting ceremony, and the priests would go dancing around these lights. And therefore, we have Jesus coming uh, during that time when there's the lights, and people said it was one of the wonders of the world to go and to watch the priests dancing around these lights, kind of like these living menorahs that are lighting up all of Jerusalem. And while they're doing that, Here's what Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. Again, obviously claiming to be the Messiah. So let's read it out loud. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Again, Jesus was claiming, I am that light. Because literally, Again, as I mentioned, the first dedication of the temple by Solomon, the the light that, that came as fire to the altar 
was the Shekinah glory from heaven. So these lights that were there each year at the Feast of Tabernacles was them praying, we want your light, we want the fire from heaven to come and to fall and to be with us. And it was a messianic claim, a messianic desire. Many scriptures ascribe light to the Messiah. In the scriptures, he is called the star out of Jacob. He is called the light of Israel. He is also called the light of the nations or of the Gentiles. He is described as a refiner's fire, a burning lamp, and the sun of righteousness. So all of these things, while they're, you know, thinking of these things and, and meditating and hoping and praying for the Messiah, Jesus stands up and cries out, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And then later that same day that Jesus cries that out, he heals a blind man. And when he heals the blind man, that blind man in this story was symbolic of the nation of Israel. And Jesus was saying, just as I opened the eyes of this blind man, so I want to open the eyes of the priests and the leadership of Israel and the entire nation of the Jewish people to realize I am the Messiah you've been praying for, longing for, and looking for. And that's why in John chapter 9, verse 22, if you want to write that down, he repeated, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So all of this is happening, and it, and it was a time of great rejoicing, great singing, and great dancing. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 150. Because this was part of the worship. And it, this is how the Psalms end. And it says in verse 1, Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Can all of you say Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with the trumpet and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your Bibles, and I want everybody to stand up. Leave your Bibles on your little pews, and then I'm going to ask, I want the worship team to come out right now, and I want to lead us in a time of, of corporate prayer for Israel and then prayer for our nation and pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit and the fire and the glory of God to fall and descend upon us. But, you know, I was thinking about how do I do this? You know, we, you know, we, we worship and then we share a study in the Word, but how do we make this real and make it kind of on a small scale, but something that is corporate and national? So here's what I want you to do. Um, I want all of you to leave your pews. I want you to come down here in the front or fill the aisles I want you to be out of, get out of the pews. Wherever there's a pew, get away from the pew. And come down here.
And because it was a, you know, corporate thing, I, I've, I've thought about, you know, how they would have the priests dancing around the menorahs. And I thought about having John Wickham, you know, and a few others dancing around, but I didn't know if he was willing to quite do that. Yeah, you can come on down, you know, you can fill just a, a, all around the, the, the deal here, all the way, you know, as close as you can, but I want you to come, come up here close. And um, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to sing together, but this is kind of like, you know, the idea of getting out of the home even, even out of the buildings and, and into the streets or into these little lean-to deals. It's kind of like you want to it was very exciting because everybody was outside at night and you could hear the buzz and you could see the, the, the little fires and the little sukkahs and laughing and people rejoicing and just enjoying one another. And it, was, it, was, it brought a, a national kind of unity. So here's what I want you to lay your hands on one another. We're going to do a different kind of, we've been doing a lot of praying for one another and laying on hands on one another. Um, you know, so this is the body of Christ, right? This is your family. And, and we belong to one another. We, you know, we need, there's uh, something transferred by human touch. And what the Bible says can be transferred through prayer and through faith is the Spirit. You have something to give. And quite frankly, you have something you need to receive. So here's, here's how it works. Remember when God said, look, here's what it means to be my friend. Uh, Abraham, your friends are my friends. Your enemies are my enemies. Anybody blesses you, I'll bless him. Anybody tries to hurt you, harm you, speak ill of you, or curse you, I will curse them. How many want to be God's friend? Okay, so now for us, here's what I say. This is what I'm, you know, walking with the Lord. Here we are doing the, what in the world are we doing as a church? Doing the feast of the Lord in the fall? I don't know, but we're enjoying, are you having fun? We're just having fun. We're not being legalistic, and we're not, we're not trying to become... The Messianic community, we're just learning and growing. They're the seven feasts of the Lord, and I'm having fun. It's a little different, so we're experimenting. And I think we have freedom. You know, I'm just a little fun. It's okay. So, so what I'm saying is, here, here's where I'm at. Um, and, and we all want to, I think we're all wanting, we need more, we want more, we don't want to just go to church and, you know, do the same things over and over again. Something a little fresh, a little new, a little, you feel, do you feel something stirring inside of you? And within our church, within our congregation, because I do, it's, we're in new territory. And listen, this is not in my notes. Um, this is, uh, we're in a very, very, very it has never been like this in 2,000 years. The last time that Jews and, and Gentiles kind of hung out was in the days of Pentecost when Paul was going around the whole Roman thing and they're going, wow, nobody told us, we're in. And the church was being born lit by fires all around the Roman Empire. I believe that we're also now living in a time where for some reason that is only God is mixing Jews and Gentiles together again. We're rubbing shoulders with them. And we, who are believers in Jesus, are mobile carriers of the glory of God and the Holy Spirit. So when we walk with them, bless them, pray for them, encourage them, they're like, wow, nobody else on the planet likes us except those Christians who love that Jew called Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, look at that. Woo. 
So God is doing something. He's stirring something. So in, in this walk, um, I'm admittedly walking in some new ways, and what I'm hoping, I want everything God has given to me, I'm trying to give to you. And whatever God's given to you, I want to receive. And so we're, by laying on of hands, you're giving your love, your blessing, your prayers, your hopes, your dreams, and your prayers to, to them. And then you, you, so you're giving that, and then you're receiving what they have. And that's what's so cool. Nobody has everything. <laughs> Except Jesus. He's the whole deal. But we're apart. So if, you know, that's why I, I, you know, tell people they need, we need, we need the church. I look, the church is full of all these messed up, broken people and vessels. And then they go, oh, the church is bad and they did this. And so I'm off on my own. But the problem is if you're a part of the body, like you're the ear and then you go, I don't like the body, the body hurt my feelings. And then you go off, you're just an ear sitting in the middle of nowhere doing nothing. <laughs> to make a difference, you've got to be the ear next to the head, which is Jesus and the church. So anyway, close your eyes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And, and so, I want, very simple, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Would you just pray for a moment with me right now? Let's pray after this. Dear Lord, Dear Lord. We, we pray a blessing of the Lord upon the nation of Israel. Help them, O oh God. Watch over them. Protect them. Have mercy upon them. Pour out your Spirit upon them. In Jesus' name. And we pray for our nation. We pray for America. We are reminded, O oh Lord, Lord, you love this nation. You are moved with compassion for us. Despite all of our failures, all of our shortcomings, all of our sins, have mercy on us. Forgive this nation. Of all our sins, sins. open the windows of heaven heaven. and pour out a blessing upon us. us. We need your Holy Spirit. We need your your fire. We need your your glory. We need need revival. We need need boldness boldness to share share the faith and our love and the good news news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. So pour out your Spirit. spirit. Bring your Shekinah glory. glory. Light a fire in our hearts. hearts. And be glorified. glorified. We love you. We We worship you. We We praise you. you. O worthy Lamb of God. God. Our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. 
Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.